grace is not God sweeping all our disobedience under some cosmic rug and just pretending that nothing happened. Hello, you're listening to the Greek to Me podcast, a daily discovery of the New Testament scriptures one word at a time. We hope today's podcast helps you better understand and appreciate God's word. Hi, it's February 16, and today's word is charis. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The word I want to pull out is grace. Uh, Charis or charis means grace. It means kindness. It means favor. It is to be disposed to or favorable toward someone, but the connotation is to be so despite the subject deserving it. And because of this, charis can also be used to speak of humble thanksgiving. With all this in mind, my, my favorite definition is charis is either unmerited favor or undeserved kindness. If there was ever a case of someone receiving a good thing, a gift they did not deserve, it is our story of how God has forgiven us and saved us by grace and through faith in Jesus. Nothing else comes anywhere close to this demonstration of grace shown by God. And it's not just that we did nothing good to deserve the gift. No, we were on the far side of the moral spectrum, having done so much bad that we deserved God's just and righteous punishment. And we can't afford to miss what Paul says next. So we are declared righteous by grace because of Jesus, but that rests on what Paul says in verse 25 of Romans 3. He writes of Jesus, Jesus, whom God has put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, as Paul writes. This is big. See, grace does not mean that the wrong, the sin, isn't punished or goes unpunished, that there aren't consequences. Grace is not God sweeping all our disobedience under some cosmic rug and just pretending that nothing happened, saying, you know what, it's okay, right? A judge who acquits a murderer based on even a sincere, tear-filled apology is not a just and a good judge. We either fire or imprison those kinds of unjust judges. There are consequences for lawlessness. So, God put forward Jesus as the propitiation by his blood, which is to say, Jesus paid the price for your sin and mine. To quote John the baptizer, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And by doing this, God maintains his status as a righteous, just judge. Jesus took my sin, though he had no sin of his own, and he gifted me, he imputed to me his sinless life, transferring it to my moral account. I've heard it said he gets my rap sheet and I graciously get his resume. Thus, salvation is a free gift to us that costs Jesus everything. And unless we understand this, unless we appreciate how expensive this grace was, we will take it for granted. It will become, in the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, it will become cheap. God forbid. May it never be. And against this radical understanding of of cheap grace, Paul writes in Romans 6, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? 
By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the hearts to the standard of teaching to which you have committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." But there is another side of grace. Grace is used to describe how gracious of a giver God is, and it is also used, it seems just as often, to describe the gift themselves. They are gifts of grace. They are grace gifts to us. For example, strength and wisdom to live for Jesus is described as God's grace to us, seen in 2 Corinthians 1. Opportunities to minister and to serve are gifts of grace from God, 2 Corinthians 8. Our natural provision in this life in order to maybe have an abundance to share with others is a grace of God, 2 Corinthians 9. Our spiritual gifts that that we use to serve one another are grace gifts from God, 1 Peter 4. The presence and ongoing ministry of Jesus is a grace to us from God, 1 Corinthians 16. And church leaders and teachers are called gifts of the church, gifts of grace to the church, Ephesians 4. It is by God's grace that we are saved, and it is by God's grace that we daily live. So grace is an adjective. God is gracious in his giving of forgiveness and salvation. Grace is a noun. God gives various grace gifts, which give us all we need for life and ministry. And according to this grace, then, as slaves of righteousness, we are compelled to live lives of holiness vertically toward God because of our great gratitude to him. But it doesn't stop there. This grace also compels us to live lives of horizontal holiness as well. That is that we are compelled to show the grace God has shown us in Christ to others. So Christian, how might you be a vessel, a conduit of God's grace today? With whom could we be more gracious in our speech? To whom have we ungraciously withheld forgiveness? How might we serve more humbly with our gift that came from God to serve others? Who needs our grace in the form of patience today? We will have an abundance of opportunities today to be more like Jesus and to be more like our great God of grace.